Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 112. Sorry this episode's a little late coming out. I've got one of those things where there's a couple of collaborative episodes that I've sort of recorded or been working towards that, yeah, timings haven't worked out such. This has got a bit delayed. But anyway, I thought I'd do a quick episode to sort of fill in the gaps. And this is just going to be a straightforward one of, after taking that break from new music for the first six months of the year, I finally got back to uh, some new releases over the last month and a half. And I thought I'd share a few of my favourites so far from the year 2022. So there'll be no particular order or theme to these. I'm just going to run through some albums I've been really enjoying. And to kick this stuff off is one I was um, really excited by, actually. Um, and yeah, it was really, really cool to finally get round to. This is Suppression with their debut album, The Sorrow of the Soul Through Flesh. So Suppression are a band from Chile. They've been around since like 2012, but like essentially i was aware of them because of their their ep from 2019 repugnant remains which was this amazing 15 minutes of like brutal technical death metal with this really loud fretless bass this kind of like old school vibe but played at a level of like ridiculous technicality so they they had a few demos either side of this but i was really kind of awaiting their debut full-length album and we, we finally have that earlier this year with um the sorrow of the soul and it's that kind of thing of when you've got like the, their ep i'd played you know easily 20 times i've listened to it if not more in the the two or so years i've had it and i was totally obsessed with it so always nervous going into a full length for a band like that you're like what are they going to have changed are they going to have broken the formula and initially i was very worried because the opening of the album like they've always been in this kind of vein but this seemed to be really kind of um turned up to 11 it starts with this very heavy down tune guitar riff that just feels you know very archetypal modern brutal tech death and then the new vocalist, who I think he's joined for this album, yeah, Alexandro Cruz, um, he's got a lower voice, so when he comes in, it's it's less of that kind of thrashy energy they had before. Um, but he does bring a lot of brutality with it. So I was a bit like, oh no, have they have they gone down a more almost traditional path? Because the the uh, EP has the fretless bass turned up to eleven, it is like so front and center. Like, and Pablo Cortez is an incredible bass player, so you really want to hear what he's doing. But um, he's a bit more buried in the mix. But as the as the song like progresses, he comes through. You start hearing really cool stuff. Then we get some amazing um, lead guitar work. So I, I think the core of the band is uh, Pablo on bass and then Daniel Pobaletti on guitar. They're those two have been there since the 2012 demo. And we have a new vocalist and new drummer in the band now. And they, these two like are just going wild on this. Like, the first bit of lead guitar comes in and it's absolutely genius. It's this this brilliant melodic yet complex weirdness and then we get all the way to the end of the song and there's the, this whole fretless bass solo which just to my ears just sounds really cool it's it it doesn't lose you know it, none of this sounds self-indulgent the album as well still has that kind of slightly thrashy energy because all these songs are capped to these like tight three or four minutes like and they just pile through with a ton of brilliant brutal like like very heavy riffs but they still keep that level of catchiness and like memorability to all of it and then we just get some wonderful musical flourishes there's a really amazing moment um in the middle of the album with an instrumental track called unwinding harmonies which starts in a way the first couple of minutes really feel like a, a modern take on what death were doing on human with like particularly with that like sort of fretless bass playing but bringing in that sort of jazz rock fusion feel with these complex complex melodies and rhythms going on but then as this this like the song evolves rather than this being you know your cosmic sea style departure from the heaviness of the rest of the album this song gets just as brutal as anything else on the release the other thing as well is for an album that's so driven by fretless bass it doesn't seem to lose anything in heaviness i found a lot of like fretless bass driven albums particularly you think those kind of like obscure beyond creation kind of things a lot of the time there's something slightly lacking in the low end 
the way this is mixed with it, that heavy down tune guitar and sort of very um, intense drum performance and the drums like that kind of thick triggered low end sound this doesn't seem to lose anything because there's such a heavy kind of rhythmic attack as well with the vocals being a bit more low and guttural. I mean, the thing is, well, I, I say that the guy is not Big Will from Reeking Aura or anything like that. It is it is a uh, sort of middling growl with a, enough kind of like of a ha like kind of gnarly kind of thrash um, slash old school death metal edge to it. It's just, yeah, a, a, bit, a bit more, um, a bit more discernible. The other thing that's super cool about Suppression is they are a great showcase of musicians from the Chilean scene. So these guys have, like, you know, their irons in a lot of fires. Um, Pablo and Daniel, the, the guitar and bass player, um, were both uh, ex-members of Ripper, who are a fantastic... Um, if you want to hear the more thrashy idea of this sound, like, Ripper's, I believe, one and only album came out about 2016 i forget the name of it now oh no no they they had a couple but they're they're um and they're, they're still active ripper just without those two in the band anymore but yeah their second album 2016's experiment of existence is just a fantastic idea of of someone sort of taking this kind of um yeah this this kind of suppression technical complex sound but making it more specifically fresh still with that ever-present like fretless bass playing and brilliant kind of very melodically driven lead playing. Um, Alejandro uh, used to be vocalist for Unespresso and Colton, who another Chilean band I was really fond of. Uh, their album, which I'll definitely pronounce wrong from 2017, Kezia Lilith Media, Chapter 10, um, was a really brilliant, more kind of like blackened death metal, like kind of in that, that slightly uh, leaning towards the um, dissonant end of that genre brilliant release and um recently mario vera like all drummers he seems to be in like 19 bands but he's joined diabolic messiah who are about again another 2017 release i was really fond of um demonic weapons against the sacred was the latest uh diabolic messiah release and is well worth checking out if you want some of that kind of more raw kind of like verging towards war metal but with with a bit more kind of i don't know leaning towards still being quite discernible and riffy rather than the true kind of over-the-top, uh, hard-to-listen-to end of that genre. And it's been a few a while since they put anything out, but they're very active as a live band, so I think um, I think we'll definitely hear more from Diabolic Messiah in the near future. But yeah, it's just interesting to see a band like Suppression, like how, how sort of busy all the various members are. Like, uh, those are only the bands I'm aware of that they're part of, but um, they yeah, they seem to be really kind of all standard bearers for the Chilean scene.
took a lot of effort there to resist temptation to play the instrumental, but I think you have to hear that one in context of the album. Right, the next band I want to talk about are another, like, well, actually much newer band. This is Pharmacist and their latest album, Flourishing Extremities on Unsoiled Mental Grounds, uh, from from this year obviously it's all from this year so these guys have only been around since 2020 um it's their second album they also had a a really decent ep carnal pollution back in 2021 and um had a string of like splits and stuff but it's a two-man project um uh one guy who goes by pharmacist this is uh gonna mess up his first name Kyrylo Stefanski, who's a Ukrainian guy who's since moved out to Japan, like pharmacists list themselves as a Japanese band, and then another member who's just credited as the therapeutist, who's the drummer, which I don't know whether this is a joke about the drummer being a drum machine. Very sorry if they are a real person. This is one of those albums where um, the... Uh, the, the drum production is such it totally could be programmed it could also be a real human it sounds cool it's just got that kind of triggered intensity to it where yeah that that possibly could be programmed you're probably guessing the exact sound of um of pharmacist like based on that overlong album title the the name pharmacist this is very much a carcass worship band which i don't know whether that's like generally considered an insult or not. I remember once talking to a guy wearing an Impaled hoodie he got extremely upset that I referred to Impaled as a carcass worship band. But I think the band themselves actually embraced that, so maybe he was just a dickhead. Um, but yes, they are a band that have definitely taken great influence from Carcass, but they are doing their own thing within that, that kind of sound. I think really what we're seeing in Flourishing Extremities is a particularly lean towards the necroticism era sound so i think everyone's got their era of carcass they love some are some are very much into the early grawl grind there's a little bit of this in here I, I would be very surprised if pharmacists don't enjoy those early days and honestly i think they probably like heartwork as well they, but it's it's particularly the way the album's structured the the kind of heaviness of the songs and length of them in particular really puts me in mind of that necroticism era it's six tracks all of them about seven like almost seven minutes exactly actually all very kind of similar length um and yeah the, the 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 sound of it is this fantastically overly distorted like there's moments where the bass comes through there's so much distortion on the bass guitar it's it's kind of overwhelming and the guitars themselves like very down tuned very distorted sounding like it's a really harsh um kind of overall sound what i really love about pharmacist himself as a vocalist is the fact his voice sort of embodies a lot of both the the bill steer and jeff walker approach so there's a lot of like low kind of rumbliness to it, but he also has Jeff's like almost like gargle disgustingness to it as well. It's obviously not quite as low as one and not quite as high in the other. It does sit in more of a middle position, but he's a very, um, I don't know, very diverse vocalist. There's a lot of slightly different horrible noises throughout this. And considering it's primarily sort of him producing most of this stuff, it, it's really cool. Just the overall feel of the album is just super gross, which is exactly what you want from this kind of gore grind influence music. Now, the one bit where they get away from that idea is um, they got Andrew Lee in to play solos on all of this. So, Pharmacist playing to its strengths, brilliant rhythm player, getting someone who is a fantastic lead guitarist. And if you've listened to, say, something like Andrew Lee's Heavy Metal Shrapnel, the guy can shred like a monster. So this this album is full of these beautiful, like, melodic leads that will come in over stuff. There's a moment about two minutes in the first song where the music kind of stops and then over this, like, then restarts as this kind of slow chug and the lead guitar comes in and it is the most carcass-sounding moment I can think of. Something about it is just so evocative of that. So if you're not familiar with Andrew Lee, He's kind of most famed for his, um, uh, like, sort of OSDM project, Ripped to Threads, like, very HM2, like, like buzzsaw, angry guitar, really brutal. Um, he, he plays vocals, bass, and guitar for that project. He's, like, yeah, like definitely one of those sort of single-minded visionaries. But, um, yeah, on this, he just turns up. And I, I think on every single song, he... Um, 
he provides one or more solos very much in the style of of sort of carcass in that necroticism or heartwork era where there's basically two cool bits of lead guitar for every song and i'd say that's the point where pharmacists almost take on a heartwork influence because there does seem to be such a lean towards melodicism in those guitar parts i guess not that um uh, necroticism was totally devoid of that but this almost goes to the like the extreme of heartwork with that kind of that sort of uh, lead playing overall i just think this is a fantastic album in that vein of like if you love that sound, pharmacists are really doing something fun with it. And I think particularly leaning into the necroticism sound particularly was a great stance because I haven't heard that quite so much from... This seems more specifically geared to the necroticism sound than any of the carcass-like worship bands I can think of. And I think that was very cool. Next up, a band I'm happy to talk about whenever they put something out. This is Al Namrud uh, with their, well, the latest EP, Worship the Degenerate. So Al Namrud, if you've not heard of them, are a Saudi Arabian band, um, primarily led by uh, Mephistos and Ostron, who between them do guitar, bass and percussion, and keyboards and percussion. And they do this kind of like very brutal blackened folk metal which i don't know almost sounds like a misnomer but it definitely works here with like clearly heavily programmed percussion and um very raw guitars but then big layers of these kind of like uh, Middle Eastern sounding melodies and I, I think synth version of uh, Middle Eastern instruments layered over this this very heavy, raw, brutal black metal. Um, the big change in the Al-Namru camp, because these guys have been going since 2008 and a very active band. Like they've got like, like seven albums at this point. Um, long-time vocalist uh, Humbaba has left the band, which has kind of led to an interesting stylistic shift in this EP. He had a... He almost had this quite, like, sing-songy nature to his growl. There was um, with, there was a lot of melody to what Humbaba did, despite, you know, retaining a level of brutality. But, um... at ia il Sorry, completely awful pronunciation. Uh, the new vocalist is far more down-the-line brutal black metal vocalist. Just harsh shrieking throughout this um this 26 minute ep so worship the genre it's it's gone down a route i guess i think looking back at alan rude's sort of more recent releases 2017's Encar was like possibly their most accessible i think and i found it a very like memorable release uh whereas like 2020s while apt got far more brutal in your face and worship the degenerate seems to have like continued down that path uh the, th the thing I've sort of mentioned in passing earlier, like, 
and say this band are ludicrously impressive because they are from Saudi Arabia. They're, uh, as far as I know, I think their existence is more or less a secret. All the members are anonymous. They they have to record this music in secret. This is a this is a serious crime to be doing while living in in Saudi Arabia. And I, I remember hearing stories of them sort of saying they had to sort of smuggle guitars out of the country to get them repaired. So hence, there's a lot like. The, the nature of the chord recording is very rough, as I say, it's very clearly programmed drums, the, the guitar and bass is, is incredibly raw, but I think, honestly, like, that is entirely forgivable under the circumstances, and it sort of adds to the, the kind of savagery of the whole thing, like, having that, that like, truly brutal approach works so well under those circumstances. Um, Worship the General has, has also has like the odd interesting sort of twists and turns. But I think a lot of the the use of like the folk influence stuff on it was um, was really kind of I like they they definitely got some interesting sounds in there that I'd not heard them use before. And it ends on a really cool note of the the final track. Free Will is this entirely instrumental, more folky piece like and uh, the kind of like melodic outro which fits quite nicely after the sort of five tracks of, of brutal metal at the front of it. Yeah, if you've heard them before, this is still, I'd, I'd say, it is a natural progression from from what I'm at. It's just the, the change in vocalist means it feels slightly more extreme, but uh, they're not really breaking the formula hugely on this, just the slight additions to it. And I, I think put out yet another really decent release. Quite a genre shift for this one. Uh, we're going to the UK with Grave Lines and their third album, Communion, from 2022. These guys, Metal Archives has them down as doom slash sludge metal. So this was quite a cool one to get into because it threw um, some twists and turns I wasn't quite expecting at me. Got a shout out, uh, listener Shem, for recommending... Well, I think he shared this one on his Instagram and I was instantly kind of taken with it. Shem uh, from the band Lowen, who are another brilliant British band and well worth checking out their YouTube channel Serpent Temple who does fairly similar actually style of review to this you like those kind of deep dives these guys go very deep on albums but anyway um, back to Gravelines so yeah as I say Gravelines been around a little while like since about 2015 but this this is um, the first I was kind of aware of them and with that like doom sludge metal tag I was really expecting um Kind of actually how the first two tracks in the album go. It's this sort of very heavy, like, you know, just nasty sounding riffing with that kind of, that that's traditional sludge vocal you would expect, that sort of, like, slightly sing, scream kind of voice going on. Certain sort of apocalyptic nature to it. it it's, you know, has all that level of, like, despair and grimness you'd expect from good sludge but then on the third track uh like Hainid, um something really interesting happens suddenly get a move away from that kind of more traditional slow plodding doom sound towards um 
this very kind of melodic, kind of beautiful, but very kind of soulful, kind of mournful, um, clean vocals come in over these, like a lot of acoustic guitar and lots of echoing passages that are all just kind of really nice sounding. But as I say, like very melancholy. There's something something incredibly affecting about this song and it's, it's a long track as well like almost 12 minutes and what it does is starts from this very kind of gentle place as a bleak but gentle and builds to this like like sludge crescendo in the middle of the track like it starts coming in with that heavy like hitting on the floor tom kind of slow groove you often get in this kind of music and then the guitars come in more distorted and there's a really heavy section in the middle but like, as you think that's going to keep pushing to the massive, as I say, crescendo point, it pulls back and we go back to more melodic guitar, like this really memorable guitar refrain and more clean vocals. And the song kind of gently fades in for, for all these different melodic ideas towards the end. So like, it's a really interesting song structure of like, it's, it's sort of as a wave, it starts low, builds to a really high point and then comes back down low almost symmetrically I, I i this kind of thing i'd really expect to keep pushing and pushing to end on the heavy but they somehow pull that back and it's perfect like that it, it works so well and there's an extremely emotionally affecting track and actually the album isn't entirely done with its surprise at that point the the next track is a very strange um mainly like either really affected guitar or like keyboard driven like droning kind of noise with these heavily distorted vocals over it then we could we do take a move back towards the more traditionally sludgy sound but the the album then culminates in uh Synesis, which is another track that has like a lot of these ideas playing around with the the, the clean vocals and, and melody and so on it's uh, yeah, the, the the moments where it's doing the sludgy thing are absolutely brilliant. If it was a full album of, of just that stuff, this would be amazing. But these these kind of progressive touches they throw in, they, they've got all like... They're kind of progressive, but like, in a way of just genre hopping, of nodding to maybe more traditional doom or, or, or post-rock or, or like many... I don't know. Could be a lot of genres. I don't want to offend them based on where they got the influence to do this because it's quite a, it's quite an interesting sound. But yeah, the, these moments really add something spectacular to it. They the the album flows so well. There's so many weird and wonderful ideas taking place. I think I think the band have done an absolutely fantastic job with this, and it, it like. Despite that, it remains a very heavy, punishing album. It's just also very kind of emotionally overwhelming. Uh, Gravelines Communion, really, really impressive uh, sludge album. Next up is a release involving a musician we very regularly cover here. Uh, this is Transcending Rights with their second album, 
worship of the triumvir. Uh, so transcending rights do a very raw kind of old school like I hate to use it but very atmospheric black metal. I'd say in the 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 traditional early Norwegian style, this like the real kind of triumph of transcending rights sound is absolutely nailing that like sort of far away, incredibly washed out atmospheric guitar tone and coupling that with bestial shrieking vocals and like the the sort of drumming intensity but also with that same far away kind of nature to it that, that it's that kind of sound where songs repeat for a very long time um and just lull you into an amazing atmosphere um their their previous album from 2021 enthronement of the third was three tracks of brilliance in this style and honestly i i think worship of the triumvirs just builds on everything they they came up here again free tracks based on kind of uh titles and stuff there i think uh, free is a very important number to this band and it's about 40 minutes so like the opening of this uh this album uh initiation is a 22 minute long raw like an atmospheric um black metal track so I think if you like stuff like um, Passage de Heaver or maybe like Older Wolves in the Throne Room, if you got into that kind of sound, this is kind of the project for you. If you found those bands a bit much, I think this this would be this would have its issues in the same way. But personally, I absolutely love it. I really think they have managed to capture this sound and atmosphere so perfectly. The lineup is Dea, who is credited with all instruments and vocals, and Brulliard, who is covered with all uh, credited with all instruments and vocals. So Dea is the the musician I I talk about quite a lot. A very active um, sort of home studio guy located in Belgium who does all sorts of cool stuff, like often black metal. I'd say it's his his kind of real forte but he does amazing doom stuff under under myriad projects he's also a, a regular contributor to uh, a particular favorite band of mine malady um but yeah has myriad projects and some years has put out like completely nonsensical amounts of albums like in upwards of two figures um always incredibly active guy uh, this year i think he's calmed down a little he's only put out three albums this year so far as far as i can tell Maybe some other projects I'm missing. But yeah, the other half of this band is Brulliard, who is another actually very active uh, musician. She's got her own project under her name, Brulliard, which is incredibly confusing because the albums always seem to be named the same thing. Um, but they're, they're quite cool and more of this kind of vein. But also a couple of new newish projects of Sphere and Vertage, as well as uh, running the record label Transcendence. So it's two of these incredibly... Um, dedicated like full-time kind of weird studio metal band kind of people um i think the lead vocal in this is is taken by um by brulliard as as, like, as far as i can tell like i think particularly if you liked how like deus project yadal used to sound there's some shared dna there although this is more more kind of raw but it has that thing of like he's very kind of soulful vocals are helped by this even more higher even more kind of extreme over-the-top approach there's not a great deal more to say on this one just because it's a wonderful atmosphere listen it's it's one to just let that general sound of it soak in um and yeah as i say you'll probably already know whether this will be for you or not but personally i think this is one of the best albums in this style i've i've heard so far from 
next up we'll look at a different take on kind of the same genre this is pure wrath with a third album hymn to the woeful hearts it's put out under debbie murmorty Productions, so I'll kind of give you a hint of the kind of sound this project is is a one-man band um the the main guy behind it ryu um does loads of um not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but he's involved in loads of, unsurprisingly for Indonesia, brutal death metal projects. I remember particularly enjoying like Perverse Dexterity and Urge, but he's got a ridiculous amount of output under his belt. Um, but this this project um, was brought to my attention by guest of the show and good friend Donovan, who actually brought Pure Raph's um, previous EP, The Full-On Soldier, from 2020 along with... Um, and I thought that, that EP was amazing, sort of taking um that sort of like early norwegian black metal kind of aesthetic and applying that to lyrics about sort of war and indonesia's like history uh really emotive uh, like very powerful stuff like I, I felt that ep was was drawing somewhat from kind of like anthems era emperor's kind of sound with that like there's sort of a, a lot of keyboards layered over this um very kind of interesting, complex, and almost technical in place places music. But what's um, amazing with him to the woeful hearts is is he's just turned everything. Out. It's just everything is improved from their previous three releases, which are all very very good. Um, immediately, sort of when Cloak of Disquiet, the first track, kicks in with the, the, the full-on black metal, it's got this very, very full-sounding production. It's, um, yeah, really, like, I think when the drums come in, like, doing these really cool drum fills to lead in, like, the first, like, heavy riff of the song, you, you it's got a real sense of, like, power and weight to it. He does a lot of subtle work with, with keyboards. They're, like, always sort of layered in the mix there, but just adding like, a couple of notes over the kind of more complex guitar work. Um, the guitar work, actually, uh, a lot of, like, the little flourishes in the playing really remind me of kind of um, Blood in the Wells or Estrangement-era drug, but with less problematic connections. But, like, yeah, those albums I, that I used to be very fond of, there's a lot of those kind of flourishes, as I say, mixed with, particularly when he goes into sort of the more continuous passages of uh, vocals, then there's moments that really, as I say, puts me in mind of kind of classic um, Emperor stuff. Like, he, he has a fantastic vocal delivery. Like, the first scream he does of the album just goes on and on and on. And But then, like, when he gets to the more, um, the kind of more continuous stuff, yeah, he's just got an absolutely brilliant voice. There's so many wonderful kind of melodic choices in, in the guitar work, but it never loses its kind of sense of heaviness this is a really kind of fast like massive sounding out like the sections where it's blasting are really quite brutal in your face like really leaning into that like heavy kind of like rapid ride cymbal sound where like almost everything is getting enveloped by the drums but then there's loads of moments where things sort of pull back and give you like a more melodic guitar passage even throwing in and this is always a high risk one these these kind of quite um gentle clean vocals in places don't spoil it at all absolutely perfectly fit with the way the keyboards are, are kind of layered layered over things it, it just works there's there's moments of like acoustic guitar and slight folkish nods but nothing too too sort of overpowering and it uh, despite all this kind of melodic touches it always resists the the kind of urge to go remotely cheesy as i say the the atmosphere and the kind of real um overwhelming sadness to this album like comes through the whole way through the, the whole 45 minutes they he really keeps up that kind of energy well um there's a there's a cool little outro to the album as well which is, again just you'd have to hear it in context but it totally wasn't the thing i'd expect to end this but uh, it worked perfectly for me I, yeah, I was just amazed at how Pure Wrath went from doing something I thought was very strong to really putting out something masterful. I, I, I'm genuinely blown away by how kind of overwhelming um, Hymns to Woeful Hearts sounds. Uh, it's hip, Sorry, Hymn to the Woeful Hearts. Got to get that right. Pure Wrath, Hymn to the Woeful Hearts. I really, of anything I recommend today, this is the one I'd definitely say go away and check out. This is... 
some fantastic black metal in that sort of more long form melodic but still atmosphere focus kind of style <laughs> doing a few kind of bleak ones in a row let's follow it up with something really fun this is Vortis with their debut album uh Tininis Cu Lucha um everything in this is in Spanish I believe and I'm not gonna be able to pronounce it I do apologize so the band name is Vortis V-O-R-T-I-Z-E um and yeah this is sort of the debut release um another project from Chile um fronted by Javier Ortiz, who is the guitarist and vocalist of Demoniac, um, whose album So It Goes from 2020 was one of my absolute favourites. Love that album so much. Such an inventive, aggressive, but like really progressive thrash album. Really, you know, some of the best thrash I'd, I'd heard in years. So with, with his solo project, Vortiz, he is doing something far more in the realm of like traditional heavy metal. This is... This is all about really fun riffs, like rocking choruses, amazing bits of lead guitar. His guitar work on this is just wonderful. And it is it's all clean singing. And he doesn't, he has like a really cool kind of mid-range voice. And it's like, his delivery is quite unique. It's, um, the, I think that's the thing some people um, might have a moment to adjust to is his vocal delivery. But there's something like, wonderfully kind of fun and engaging about it and all these um all these songs are just ludicrously catchy just full with too many memorable brilliant riffs and and melodies like the album's quite long actually like 55 minutes but he um he throws in enough twists and turns into the songs it's um it's sort of incredibly engaging for that whole runtime. It's very purposely raw as well. There is um there is really a kind of um sort of roughness to the recording. I believe it's it's all a, a home recording by Javier uh, Ortez. Um but then he's got a two other guys in to sort of mix and master it. It's even um, the, the the kind of full gamut of a home cover art, which is this wonderfully simplistic image of the 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 Vortiz logo spinning away from the earth on a trail of fire on like just a kind of background of a photo of some stars. It's very much drawn in felt tip pen like kind of cover it it is so reminiscent of like a certain era of like 80s heavy metal demos that you know you could see huge nods to in this but it's just played with such like bombast and i say when these solos come in for all the kind of rough and rawness of the production the the guitar work is mind-blowing to keep things kind of um varied on on the uh the vocals we have um a guest vocalist who almost like half shares the the songs uh romeo hereta nunez she's got like kind of very similar vocal delivery to to autism actually just in in a much higher register like 
but the, the similar sort of level of, of bombast and uh, yeah but the 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 two vocalists who kind of like switch in and out between songs i think she sings like three of them and he he does he does a few more but they're yeah they're really heavy split on the vocal duties interestingly this is the only thing on metal archive she's kind of credited with so along with her in the uh, the guests we have a whole host of like the great and good of chili's lead guitarists come in um uh felipe espinosa of mental devastation fantastic album from last year delusions of mystery of the self part one brilliant guitarist and uh uh, Javier Sistones, the other guitarist in Demoniac at the moment, appears, as well as uh, Felipe Avalardo of Critical Defiance, who No Life forms another really cool kind of uh, Chilean thrash slash death outfit. Brilliant lead guitarist, and yeah, they're all in the mix, so no wonder the the solos and the leads in this album are, you know, so front and centre and so, so enjoyable. Uh, yeah, just... You're gonna have to check this one out. Like it's it's just such a kind of fun project. I I, I can't praise it enough. I said I was going to do some more fun stuff, but I realised I've got another weird, horrible one to get in there. So, trying to end on something fun. This uh, this next one is Ad Harkil. Uh, Ad Harkil? Um, it's a it's another Colin Marston project. So, I wanted to bring this one up because it might get kind of lost in the, uh, the kind of shuffle with all the big will of... Uh, Afterbirth, Reeking Aura, Ex-Artificial Brain fame, kind of, he's had a lot out in the last few months between the, the new Artificial Brain and the new Reeking Aura, both of which I'll probably cover at some point in the future. But this is this is a much shorter, weirder, experimental EP that I think came out only a few weeks ago. Um, oh, no, it came out in May, so it's, it's been out a little while, but I, I think I just missed it in in the kind of shuffle of stuff coming out. But the, the lineup is Colin Marston doing... All sorts of stuff like drum programming, guitars, keyboards, but joined by Andrew Hawkin of uh, Bearing Teeth on guitar as well, and then vocalist uh, Big Will sort of leading the project. And this is a kind of experimental death doom project. I'd, I'd kind of put it in that general category. More, a lot of the moments are more traditionally kind of what you'd expect from those three musicians working together. In the three tracks, there is lots of sections where there is a fast, heavy guitar riff, and then exactly what you would expect from Big Will, the lowest, rumbling, kind of most indecipherable, horrendous noise vocals you'd expect. Yeah, exactly what you'd expect from him. Fantastic, they sound brilliant. But the kind of interesting trick this band sort of throw at things is there's a huge amount of weird synth and keyboard work in this. Some passages are just using that, like, synths as a heavily distorted uh, track over the kind of actually very clearly programmed drums, often in passages where it really slows down. And it's kind of interesting to hear Will over music this slow. It's not a not a setting I'm kind of used to him. Not that, like, his bands are, like, always hyper-fast, but there's bits of this that get, like, funeral doom slow for a bit and really subdued and hearing his vocals in that settings. Um very interesting some of the keyboard flourishes are absolutely bizarre particularly at the end of the final track there is this like like almost happy sort of you know 70s keyboard solo type effect happening which but the, the vocals are still going the guitars still sound horrible it's very weird uh, for the most part though this sits in a realm of being Deeply disturbing, strange, yeah, unnerving, weirdo music. It's very clearly a studio project, kind of, at least in the, the kind of presentation as it currently stands there. Like, this does feel like an interesting experiment done by sort of Colin Marston and co. Um, 
when they had some time but I, I kind of really like it for that also it's only 20 minutes long so for all it's kind of oppressive nature it doesn't really overwhelm you like it it and it has enough sort of twists and turns to say the the kind of big changes in pace really really work in its favor album cover or ep i should say cover is is suitably disturbing as well as i think if you're into output from those people particularly colin marston this, this is an interesting release of his like i just hearing sort of big will over this rather than like a, a more i expect like this to fit more of a traditional black metal vocalist gives you an an edge of uniqueness like something i'd not heard before <laughs> To end on something kind of upbeat, uh, we'll finish with Iron Griffin from Finland with their second album, Storm of Magic. So Iron Griffin play a kind of traditional heavy metal mixed with maybe a touch of uh, a touch of a folk influence. Um, it sort of puts me in mind a bit of like a band like Pagan Altar if um, they didn't have such a huge focus on guitar solos. So it's a two-piece of... Um, Oscar Rosenes and uh, Marjorie Tilanda. Uh, Oscar plays all the instruments and Ma Major, Ma like, I'm sorry, I really can't say her name, just does the vocals, but she has a um, fantastically bombastic, over-the-top voice. Like, the the exactly what you want from this kind of, like, heavy metal worship. So, a very different idea from Vortizers. is much slower, rooted in kind of doom and um yeah those very old sort of traditional metal influences the opening track um lady of space and time really sets this great tone with almost a two minute intro of these very old school sounding keyboards which i, I know just, just really works and then as the guitar comes in we get these soaring vocals singing these really kind of over-the-top lyrics and it's yeah it just immediately clicks together as it has a very um kind of stripped back production the 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 drums and bass are sort of very quiet and even the guitar like has this like it like doesn't feel like the guitar is like particularly double tracked in any places it just feels like a lot of the time sort of drums a little bit of bass guitar maybe some keyboards like lady of space and time does sort of bring back that keyboard sound towards the end of it but then actually a lot of the tracks they go down this really interesting path of not really including any metal like um i think it's uh i think goddess of the moor is the if i'm remembering the right one it's just mostly this kind of like folky acoustic guitar but still with this like really uh in your face like front and center vocal performance and the vocal performance is obviously what an album like this lives and dies on um and then for me I, I think the vocals are absolutely amazing um the the other thing is it is yet another in-house uh job oscar is credited with being the producer doing the mixing and even the the wonderful uh, hand-painted artwork. It's it's a great little picture of this kind of 
creepy looking doorway very evocative of exactly the um or sort of creepy looking waterfall under a bridge i should say a uh, very evocative of exactly what you'd expect from an album that sounds like this i think i and griffin are on something really like really fun here this is um it's a great way of like combining sort of all these influences without feeling too kind of rooted in just doing that old heavy metal sound i'd say that all that touch of like folk in there really adds something like those those kind of just acoustic guitar sections are actually brilliant they are they are some of the the kind of the most interesting moments of this and there's so many great kind of great vocal hooks but yeah except this has a very old school sound like there is this does feel like something that's you know unsurprisingly kind of home recorded and very naturalistic uh it's interesting well structurally like uh it's five tracks and they're all quite short except for the final one the title track storm of magic is this this 15 minute epic which yeah really interesting way of structuring an album like this it's, it's not much over half an hour which um I, again like i don't know why for a lot of stuff that seems to be aping old heavy metal goes runs really long because because i guess they they do throw in all these other influences it was quite interesting for Ian griffin to to you know have all those other ideas in there but not pad the runtime which i, I think definitely works in their favor like if you're looking for one of those re releases that really harkens back to a very different age of music i, I think Ian griffin had done a very good job of capturing that kind of energy because it's, it's a hard thing to achieve you look at how like the osdm kind of movement has never quite sounded like old death metal it's always uh it's always got its own kind of hints of the, the fact it's been recorded how things work now i i think i and griffin are doing quite a good job of recreating like how older stuff would sound like that, that lack of a click that lack of double tracking that that very rough mix and sort of the, the way the guitar sounds is very evocative. And then the main thing to say, like, the vocal performance on this, absolutely brilliant. Right, I think I'm going to cap this there because it is utterly sweltering here and having the door closed is, is doing me in. But um, that was a quick rundown of some stuff I've been really enjoying this year. I skipped um, a lot of the more sort of obvious releases if you'd be interested in me covering those, I, I guess let me know. Otherwise, yeah, as I say, I've got a few kind of collaborative episodes coming up, but those are going to be more focused on a very discography. I think um, I won't be doing another 2022 episode for a, for a couple of months now. But as usual, um, yeah, if you want to get in touch, recommend me any of your favourite albums from 2022 so far, please um, hit us up. Uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter. Uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on uh, Instagram as well, or Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Mm -hmm.